it's amazing how people uh, process application points <laughs> of a sermon. 945 service is done. One of the sisters in our church, you know, uh, begins to tell me how excited she is to practice your third application point, which is give something away this week. Mm-hmm. And she begins to tell me of all the things, all the belongings of her husband she can't wait to give away. <laughs> you know, her husband's, her husband's there. And then she says, well, I said, hey, I think the application point was more like, you know, something that you can give away that belongs to you. Maybe it hurts you, not your husband. <laughs> not hurts, but you know what yeah. I'm saying. And to which her response was, well, we're one flesh. That's good theology. So, yeah, it is good theology, maybe bad practice. I had you know who you are. some people apply the sermon with me too because I also made that statement like with the term blessing, good means good word. Yeah. And I said, I think it was maybe just at the 945, I said, that you know i get blessed by someone's good words based on kind of who they are and what they're saying you know mm. and i said you know you don't judge me because you do it too and everyone kind of laughed and i had people come up to me after the sermon and go nice job and then look at me like <laughs> <laughs> like like i wasn't going to receive that from actually three people do that to me so <laughs> but i was encouraged by them saying i genuinely was encouraged by yeah. them saying uh, that they were profited by it so anyway yeah mm. that's good mm-hmm. I was really thinking about the points that you were making about uh, the consumer culture, and you gave that huge number, $480 billion spent on you know, advertising, marketing, things like that, and mm. just kind of thought, you know, <laughs> these are not dumb people who are making these decisions, who are spending this money, so there must be a significant return on investment. Right. And no matter how lame and ineffective I think those ads are. We think they are, but. <laughs> I clearly... Um, they're working a normal person who's <laughs> buying a bunch of the stuff that I'm being sold yeah. uh, mm-hmm. without even realizing it. And so I think it's even helpful just to recognize mm. like I am part of this, mm-hmm. you know, this is like the air I breathe. This is the world I live in. Mm-hmm. It's one in which I have a lot of options to buy things. And, um, there's a lot of messaging coming at me. Mm-hmm. Um, can you guys think of something really dumb that you've purchased that you never use? It? I, 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 oh man, I can probably think of a lot of them, but Shoo. but I, I think we all probably have those things. And then you go through your stuff, and you're like, I don't know that I needed, you uh-huh. know, that uh, you know, seven black hoodies. I only needed like. Uh, well, four. That, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. It's not actually. I think I do decent uh, as saying no to stuff that it's like, oh, well, clearly, you know, you don't need that. That's a that's a silly thing. But what you just said there is, I will buy another sweatshirt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or, you know, another pair of shoes or uh, something that I already have plenty of. That's what's that's what's interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a, whether it's something that you bought that was silly, like you were asking, or it was something that was like really in the surplus category. Yeah. The marketing is effective. It's doing the same yes, thing. exactly. You know? mm-hmm. And the marketing isn't always just what we're seeing on TV or hearing, you know, on ads or whatever. It's also then our friends and family members that we look yep. around like, oh, they have that thing. Mm-hmm. And so the branding is working because they're getting other people to buy it yep. and that are influencing you to buy So it's like there's this whole like mm-hmm. multi-layered, you know, it's basically just, you know, uh, What's that uh, pyramid marketing? No, I'm not saying yeah. that. But you know, one of the things, the one of the points that those sociologists make in their book is that, like, you know, the entire, you know, we can't escape consumerism because it is the culture we live in. Like, that's there's just no other. That is it, unless we move to a different country and they have a different system or whatever. But and it's completely dependent upon us 
buying the products. If all of a sudden a significant swath of people just opted out yeah. of that buying strategy, which again, you can we all have to debate or discern, not debate how we interact with that with our culture around us. So it's not inherently evil to live here at all. I'm not saying that at all. But we have to figure that out. But if let's just say a significant of people change their spending habits and we're less consumeristic, it, it might collapse. Like we need to keep buying in order to keep the thing afloat. And so I thought that was an interesting point. It reminded me of Acts 19 where when a lot of people, there was like a big revival after, on the preaching of the gospel in Ephesus, and they stopped worshiping Diana and they stopped buying the silver idols that the whole silver industry kind of like collapsed in Ephesus and the mm-hmm. people in the silver industry were ticked, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I, I do think how we as followers of Jesus interact with, uh, you know, resources and wealth and all those other kind of things can actually have a really positive impact uh, on our communities, cities, and even our nation, maybe even the world. Um, mm. You know, again, to, to quote that book, I mean, they were arguing that, you know, depending on how you do the numbers, you know, you could do it one way where it's about $46 billion, or you could do it another way, depending on how many people you included in the, in the survey, like what's a committed Christian versus not. But like if Christians in a more broad way, um, you know, were giving, you know, kind of like around the 10% figure worldwide, like just anyone that named the name of Christ, you're talking like $88 billion. And that would def- $88 billion is enough to make some pretty big impacts all yeah. around the world. So yep. anyway, but yeah, I, I think it's important for us to just recognize where we are. We are in this type of a culture and how can we as Christians faithfully live together uh, in a generous way is, is kind of what the question we're trying to a- ask and answer. So can we work through those three uh, application points? Oh yeah. Maybe flesh out a little bit what that looks like in our experience or even um, kind of riff off it for a little bit. Your first one was uh, you called us to practice gratitude for our standing in Christ. One of the things um, that I'm becoming increasingly more aware of, you know, Coach George, shout out, buddy, over at CrossFit Dover. He has this whole thing that he does. He talks about, you know, mindset a lot over there and the mm-hmm. the way your self-talk the story you're telling yourself about how you're feeling about the workout you're about to do, what you can't do, and the and the balance there between the mind and the body, and how crucial that is, and you executing and performing, and you yeah. know increasing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mindset is big for him there, and I get to kind of experience that firsthand. And then mindset is one of like the biggest things for you, mm-hmm. um, Pastor Mike. And so I've been thinking a lot about like the narrative that we wear, we tell ourselves. And specifically with generosity, if you you encourage us to practice gratitude, which for me seems like a more internal mindset thing, as opposed to point three, give something away. Mm-hmm. That seems very tangible and action oriented. Yeah. And so I love that because you're you're doing, hey, there's something that has to happen inside of us that leads to something happening through us or outside of us. For me personally, um, you know, meditating on God's word is essential here. Mm. It's crazy. I've been doing like this little exercise recently about how much I talk to myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so insane. Well, people say pretty commonly the person that you listen to the most is yourself. Exactly. But yeah. Mm-hmm. It, well, exactly. I'm just telling myself stuff, reasoning with myself constantly in my head. 
And that is either cultivating, quite frankly, a posture of gratitude mm-hmm. and con- with that contentment or that of like, you know, greed, discontent, jealousy, wanting of more. And the only way that I can cultivate a heart of gra- a gratitude really at the end of the day in my own heart is by processing my circumstances, my needs, my emotions, who I am, everything in front of me through the lens of scripture, what Jesus says about this world, and what Jesus says about me. And so, you know, this is the Psalms, this is Joshua 1, this is Deuteronomy, the importance of abiding in God's word, meditating on God's word, and then letting that like regurgitate into self-talk so that I can actually be grateful. You talk about focus, I know, but mm-hmm. what are some of the ways that you guys practice gratitude? How do you do that? How do you cultivate that? Yeah, I, I love your point here about self-talk. That's I think that's actually a, a really, really important you know, when I talk about mindset, that's a really important addition. So that's mm-hmm. super helpful. I think being aware of of how we are thinking, which is basically self-talk, um, is super important. You know, Psalm 42 addresses this. The psalmist says, why are you cast down, O my soul? He's like having this internal monologue, which is great. Um, and so I think that's one of the biggest things. And then, honestly, you do have to, you know, like you were saying, just you have to, in a sense, preach the, the good news of who you are. You know uh, of who of who you are in Christ, I should say. Um, and so I feel like that's probably the biggest, most important thing. I mean, even this morning, I mean, again, this has just been a regular practice mm. of me. There's definitely some. You know, I was sharing with these guys, just you know, kind of go through some. You face a little bit of discouragement here, or there, or whatever in your life, and it's like, well, how are you going to process that discouragement? And it's like, okay, I'm going to say, I actually just reminded myself of the sermon. Actually, is what I did. You know, which is this is who I am in Christ. And it's like, okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna act. As if those things are true, because in fact, in Christ they are true, and yeah. so I think that's a, a significant rhythm of um, of the Christian life is uh, is that kind of setting your mind uh, to to the Lord and who you are. I think what you do with guilt and uh, shame <clears throat> is really significant here. You know, when you are around somebody who's very generous, and this has been your point the last couple of weeks, we are around God. <laughs> yeah, who mm. is supremely generous. And so you can respond mm. a couple different ways. You can um, kind of be ashamed. Like when someone is overly generous to you and you are like you have feelings of maybe inadequacy to receive that, you can feel like ashamed. Or maybe um, like kind of like a pride guilt kind of thing wells up where it's like you want to like almost get them back, pay them back, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, to respond to someone who's very generous by saying thank you and just gladly receiving it is like mm-hmm. really powerful and freeing, I think. Yeah. And so, you know, in our relationship with, with God, who is supremely generous to us, we still continue, continue to sin. We still continue to fall short. Uh, and I feel like that's where, you know, maybe that point was, for, was you know, to really like lean into gratitude for my standing in Christ. It's, it's no more visible. I mean, it's, it's, it's highly visible when I am falling short, when I'm sinning. And so instead of like getting locked into guilt and shame, which would be really common, I think, I think a lot of Christians experience that, like, yeah, repent, like, you know, say you're sorry and say thank you. Mm. <laughs> you know, thank you for my position um, in Christ, who's still being generous to me, you know, even when I sin, even when I fall short, even when I struggle. And so I think 
I think how we process guilt and shame in light of gratitude um, is something that's really significant there. There's a great quote by John Calvin. He says, all things around us are in opposition to the promises of God. He promises immortality. We are surrounded by mortality and corruption. Mm. He declares that he counts us as just, but we are covered in our sins. He testifies that he is propitious and kind to us, and yet outward judgments threaten his wrath. What then is to be done? Mm. <laughs> so like there's this invisible versus a visible realm kind of thing going on here. What then is to be done? We must close our eyes. <laughs> I love that. We must with closed eyes pass by ourselves and all things connected with us that nothing may hinder or prevent us from believing that God is true. And so I just, you know, again, this kind of is like meditation. This is, and again, it can't be just anything to think about. It's right. like allowing, you know, specific Christian thoughts about reality that is revealed in scripture, specifically centered on the person of Jesus Christ to pervade our thoughts and minds. And then to Dan's point about saying thank you, what came to my mind as you were talking about that, Dan, is like, when people were generous to me or if they were generous to my kids, I always made my kids go to the person, look them in the eyes, and say thank you. It's like make this connection. Here it's almost mm -hmm. like close your eyes and like literally I'm thanking God. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not just like, oh, he gave me this gift and I'm kind of like awkwardly just kind of slinking away. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to him as my father, looking him in the eyes through Christ and saying thank you. Yeah. I love what you mentioned. We're always in the presence of generosity mm. because we're always in the Lord's presence. And he is our source of generosity. Mm -hmm. So he is like in many ways, you know, we in the reading this week and we said generosity is part of your nature. You give out of the abundance of who you are. Mm -hmm. And so being in the presence of God then does something to us to make us more generous. You know, I was mentioning to you guys, you have what, like a 30-year friendship? How many years? Yeah, 35. Okay, wow. You're older 36. than I remembered. 36, yeah. 36, 36 years. years. Okay, that's great. And I remember, so there's a lot of... And I don't even look like I'm 36. <laughs> I am 36. Oh, I so you guys, is that the way to remember it? You guys have been friends as long as I've been alive. That's 87. A, yeah, 87. Were you born in 87? I was born in 87. There you go. October. When did you become friends? September. <laughs> but since before I was born. Yes. Wow, that is amazing. Right. Okay, so you have a lot of relational investment, a lot of time together. I remember early on in uh, the New City days when uh, we were first becoming a church and things like that, and Dan would go over to your house sometimes. One of the first times we went over, I actually literally remember Mike walking in, uh, just goes into your kitchen, opens up the fridge, and pours himself a glass of milk. And I thought, yeah, they're pretty close. <laughs> and you guys know the kind of friendships where you're not inwardly calculating, like you're keeping a ledger of, okay, mm -hmm. well, you do this, now you owe me. The freedom for you to be able to go in and Dan, not like when we all leave, be like, well, Mike took another glass of milk. That's like his fifth one this week. I hope he <laughs> brings over a gallon next time he comes over. He's, you know, ripping us off. It's just like what's mine is yours. Mm -hmm. What's yours is mine. And that comes from a relationship that you guys have developed for years, not just with each other, but with the Lord. And so it's like abiding in the presence of God 
and allowing his word and his character and his promises and his goodness to constantly wash over us and that we get to experience to your point mike like everything he has he's given to us in christ Mm -hmm. every spiritual blessing in christ is Mm -hmm. ours he's not keeping a ledger with us isn't that incredible and therefore we don't need to keep a ledger with others right like Mm -hmm. as he has freely given to us we can now freely give and so to cultivate a posture of gratitude and generosity like you've just got to be abiding in the presence of god like um intentionally Mm -hmm. aware of his goodness and the ways he has been generous to you yeah and that's where um well, I'll have to tell you other times when we were first married and broke, when Mike would come over and turn our heat way up. <laughs> you would text him later, be like, hey, <laughs> Apple pay me. I don't know if that ever happened. <laughs> I must be thinking of somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I think when, you know, when we talk about practices and generosity, and we're certainly going to get to things like you know, actually giving things away and actually mm-hmm. being generous and it actually affecting things like our money and our time and all of that, you know, as soon as you talk about anything specific, then you talk about legalism. Right. And, you know, this is a really helpful foundation because, you know, yes. when you consider that God yes. is not keeping this ledger. Right. So there, when I sin or when I experience yeah. something, I'm not thinking in terms of, like, who's got the upper hand now, me or God. You know, I'm not thinking, well, I've been super generous, so I can, you know, I've got, like, some selfish legalism points to use up this week, and I can right. buy this for myself. Or, no, I've been super selfish, so I better give something away to even the score. When <laughs> everything kind of levels out under the fact that God is just very generous, in which you only scratch the surface, like you said, like mm. you're going to talk about more of those um, riches in Christ, now everything's totally different. Like we can be generous, not on the, not on the sake of scorekeeping or keeping the ledger, like you're saying, just because that's simply a better way to live. Yes. And it's like those other passages, you know, more blessed to give than receive all of that kind of stuff. They don't make sense unless you get it out of the ledger, because if you stay in the ledger, it'll never make sense. It always Mm -hmm. has to, you, you always have to equal it out somehow. Yeah. I will say it can be disorienting to live. Like, like you said, it's a better way to live. But even for you know someone, I've been a Christian for a long time, it's, it can be distorted. You're talking about living by grace. You're talking about living by generosity and abundance. And we're just used to scorekeeping. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who introduced me to the term. It might have been you, Dan. But the idea of moral licensing is what you're talking about. And I'll just put a, put a real sharp point on it. Moral licensing is basically I've done really – this is like what we do with our diet, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, not everybody, but I've done really good these five days, so yep. now I can splurge these two days, yep. which, again – for diet or whatever. It's all well and good. I'm not making any comments about that. Maybe. <laughs> but when we do that with God or when we do that with each other, that's not the best way to live. I mean, it can it's an it's a way to live, but it, you know, it it ultimately is still a scorekeeping way to live as opposed to just, you know, like to use the example in marriage, it's just like, well, I'm just for my wife all the time. Yeah. It's like I'm all, I'm just always here for you. I mean, I'm trying to live in, in and up to that, but like that's the mm-hmm. whole that's a much better way to have a marriage than to be like, all right, well, we're 22 years deep now. It's like, well, 17 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, you know. So I think that's what you guys are getting at. Like there's this 
it's a and it is a shift. It's a kingdom of God shift. Yep. It reminds me of the parable too when the they're all the guys are working for hire and the one guy comes in really late in the day and he gets the same wages as the guy who's been working for ten hours out in the heat and then he starts to and then what you, and the the landowner says what are you going to begrudge me being generous? I paid you a fair amount for the yep. day. You got you in a sense. There's a generous abundance here for you. Mm-hmm. All all you're mad at is I've been more generous with this guy. Yep. But that whole generosity and grace and abundance it is a it's something that we have to like embrace and grow into and mature into, uh, and it can be disorienting at times for sure for people. So if you feel that way at times, it's okay, but keep focusing on the generosity and the abundance of God, and, you, and you'll get your balance. Your second um, application point was on praying for yourself and others to grow in this power. Mm-hmm. The reason I like this is, bec- uh, again, you can already tell how all the other practices you know, kind of mingle together. Yeah. Uh, so mindset in the beginning. Now this is like, hey, pray. We're yes. recognizing uh-huh. this needs to be a part of our prayers. Um, it, and I was even thinking too, Chase gave a testimony at the last prayer and praise about a conversation he had with a brother about generosity and the communal aspect of it in there. I, I was even thinking too, um, was part of a little team event on Saturday with some people in the community and it was talking part of it was like overcoming what seems very very difficult and just you know pushing through you can do more than you realize Mm -hmm. and so we were all taking ice baths nice plunge there's two big old buckets you guys have you ever done that dan once did you love it uh i don't still do it (laughs) (laughs) have you ever done it no okay but it is great i just started doing it in january this isn't you know to bring a fad into our <laughs> conversation here. But wh- one of the things I noticed, there was about 16 of us, only two of us had ever done it. The other 14, for the most part, were pretty terrified. Like some serious anxiety, and even them going in, there's a, a few of them who were going, like their, their their feet get in, and then it's like, you could see on their face, like, no, I'm not doing it. And they, they start like pushing out, and but this encouragement and the, the community there, like challenging one another and cheering each other on, encouraging mm-hmm. one another, made seeming this, this like, obstacle that you can't get over by yourself mm-hmm. now you're able to do it um and it just cultivates them this belief and you know it, it, it it's a snowball effect from there on but one of the things i was thinking about with generosity well with any practice is like community is so crucial here i love that you said pray for yourself and for others mm-hmm. to grow in this power you incorporate i think very intentionally the communal aspect of with all these practices if i'm off you know rambo style doing this on my own mm-hmm. i'm just not going to flourish right i'm going to fall short it's going to be frustrating and i'm, I'm going to be limited but when you bring in and you've got a community of people like we're committed saying like hey we're going to be we're going to be generous and we're going to be encouraging others to be generous and our generosity is going to spur them them on and their generosity is going to spur us on and so the beauty here is like this invitation to hey let's come be generous together and then watch how the lord provides for us mm-hmm. watch the work he does in our midst mm-hmm. and watch the work he does through us for the community around us so i just love that all of the practices are being brought into mm-hmm. um to one kind of yeah yeah i think the um praying for others part is so important i mean there's so many things we could pray we certainly pray the lord's prayer we've been emphasizing that um this is i feel like is even just more of a specific application of the lord's prayer honestly for the lord's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven mm. it would make sense for the fulfillment of that prayer to be a prayer along the lines of hey make me more like jesus yes you know what i mean like those two things 
definitely fit together. And so um, this was definitely Paul. You know, I describe Paul as kind of the chosen apostle specifically to take the way of Jesus to the nations. You know, so I, I think that's a good way to think of Paul in the New Testament. A lot of your New Testament is taking Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, a.k.a. the way of Jesus, and then what does that look like in Corinth? Mm. What does that look like in Ephesus? What does that look like in, and, you know, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, it's like, well, Jesus was there. Mm. You know, and so we're like, oh, of course they're following him. But now Paul's union with Christ, he's going, well, no, he's there too. <laughs> you are united to the king, and you're following and patterning your life after him. And so, and it was just Paul's burden in city after city after city that the people who heard the message of Jesus would become and shape like Jesus into this new humanity in his image. And so it's just like a chief prayer request uh, that we certainly need to fat, uh, fat, uh, work into the fabric. That's what I was trying to say, excuse me. Work into the fabric of our praying practice mm. uh, so that we would be praying uh, that that people would come to the full realization of who they are in Christ. Just to give you one quick example of that, I actually have it pulled up here in Colossians. Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me in person. So that's interesting too. Mm-hmm. Paul's praying for this church in the city, and he hasn't even met them like fully yet. He, they haven't seen him yet. And he sh- it says he's struggling for them. What, what, what could that possibly mean? He's, he's laboring for them mm-hmm. in prayer. So he's laboring for this church in prayer, and I want their hearts to be encouraged, joined together in love, so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding of the God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures, there's another words again, of wisdom and knowledge. And so I just think that's a beautiful prayer. Mm. Here he is in Colossae again. I haven't even necessarily met these people. Even here at New City, I, I hear that a lot. Oh, that's a good application just came to my mind. You see all these people here. It's like, man, I haven't met these people yet. Well, you can still pray for them mm. very specifically and very powerfully that they would come together, communal, to this full understanding of all the riches that are hidden in Christ Jesus. I love the fact, even that just encouraged me, there are hidden gems in Christ still that I haven't found yet. I'm like, hey, let's go get them. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, that's a very important prayer. It's a very important prayer to fo- and following Jesus. We talk about following Jesus on the way, becoming an apprentice. Man, I can't, you know, th- this has got to be one of the top five most important prayers for sure, whatever that means. Mm. So, Third application. Yeah, give something away is what you said. Yeah. So that's very practical, um, but still takes some thoughts. So how do you guys go about doing that, you know, um, when a preacher gets up there on Sunday and tells you to give something away, what do you do next? Well, just a confession for me. I'm not always thinking, boy, what could I give away this week? <laughs> how different would my life be if I was like, you know what? I'm constantly on the lookout to give something away to somebody. I'm constantly so... That's not even necessarily strength of mind, which by another side note, Sermon Plus here, some people have the gift of generosity, um, and so praise God for that. If you're in our body that way, like they are more that way, they, they would be stronger in that category than me. Um, but yeah, so for me, it's, it's, actually just, it's actually a prayer request right now early in the week, but I'm actually, again, I'm, I'm eager to see how that's going to, in a sense, the Spirit's going to lead me this week to something where I could be a blessing. How great is mm-hmm. it that I could actually be a blessing to somebody? You know. So anyway, that that's for me where I'm at with that right now. Is I'm just like, I'm I'm praying, and I'm open, and I'm my eyes are open, and um, yeah, and that's what I'm looking forward to. We steward a lot of valuable resources, 
And so, you know, you mentioned, you told the 830 service to all give away a donut. Um, I, I did say no that. No one brought in any donuts this morning. <laughs> oh, Mike. Man. I know I could. I missed my first chance already. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll take fruit instead. Yeah. Um, but uh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he rolled boy. his eyes. <laughs> in case you're not in the room, buy your own fruit. <laughs> buy your own fruit. He said. <laughs> um, no, but you know, I think that your first thought is, okay, what do I? Ha- Maybe a lot of people are like, okay, money. Like, all right, we'll give something away this week. So it's like, okay, somebody has. I like, actually wasn't even, you know, I didn't specify this, but as a preacher, I was not actually thinking money. Yeah. I, that's why I said donut. Eighth. I was actually right. thinking gift more than right. I was thinking um, cash or whatever. But. Yeah. So it's like there's so many resources that yeah. are valuable and they're all valuable. Mm-hmm. You've got money, you have belongings, you know, you have time yeah. and energy. And so um, this, this week, honestly, I'm trying to be generous with my schedule to people and to my wife and my kids. I am trying, I'm praying. I like yesterday, I was, I, when, when you finished that, I was spending time praying in my head, asking, okay, like, Lord, you know those who would have needs around me, e- even if it's not like a, a tangible need, just like they need encouragement or something like that. So just like lead me by your spirit this week. And as things come up, help me to recognize it, that your spirit is putting an opportunity in front of me to be generous and then su- supply me and provide me with that, which could, you know, meet needs and encourage and edify and strengthen. And so I'm trying to be thoughtful about my time and my schedule and how I can give that away. My actual resources, the things that I have that are in abundance, you know, Dan, do you need an extra sweatshirt? <laughs> you know, back to the, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think taking some personal inventory um, as far as what you even have. Um, I know this has been like an exercise that that we've been encouraged to do over the years is just, you know, look at your budget and see what you spend on yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and look at your house and see what you have that either you don't use or even that you use, you know, yep. that... that that someone else might need or someone else might even just want. And so I think there's like kind of just even a baby step there mm-hmm. where, That's you great. know, something like, okay, I'm going to like spend that $10 monthly subscription that I kind of use. I don't necessarily even use or, or again, like yep. even if you use it every day, mm-hmm. you might you might still not need it. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, like we were talking earlier, like this, this is like a saving strategy sometimes too. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah. I, I don't want to buy coffee out or I don't want to buy lunch out. Yep. So I'm just going to take that money and dump it over into a savings thing. Well, what, you know, I can look at my, I can look at my finances and here's something that I spend on myself. I'm going to sacrifice that and I'm going to just funnel that money into and generous and even like kind of just getting the ball rolling with something like that might open up opportunities so i would say look around your house you know like what do you have that that might be of use to somebody else and maybe you just don't even want it anymore you can't even use it or like you were saying abundance i think even just like simple little steps like that big time could just get the ball rolling big time it's really good focusing on the small again i think i've said to people before i I tend to focus on the big, I want to hit a home run, blah, 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 you know, and I think, you know, some of those, you know, if you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. That's actually a specific money context. Mm-hmm. Jesus is specifically talking about the little thing that we'd be faithful in is our money. 
Um, and then he would entrust to us true spiritual riches, which mm. is the big thing. And so mm. I really, that's a great encouragement, Dan, just to kind of take a little bit of inventory. Jesus actually said stuff like that too, like sell what you have, which means basically you have to figure out what you have mm-hmm. uh, and, and take stock of that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to hear some testimonies actually as so, you know, those of you who are listening, as you begin to experience God's generosity and the joy of giving away, I would really love for you to share with us yeah. your experience and come ready. I think we, this is a prayer and praise week, isn't it? Nope, because it's the fifth, fifth oh, Wednesday. Oh, yeah. man, it's the 31st? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That stinks. Uh, one other thing I would say in terms of just like kind of like being able to like breathe about generosity and just to emphasize why we've taken two weeks now and we'll take a third week before we even really talk about, I mean, give something away that I said this week was just kind of like a little bit of a precursor before we talk about, you know, some of the bigger giving strategies that the Bible talks about, tithing and, you know, these other conversations that we'll have. But, you know, even as we consider the riches of from Sunday, which was that we were adopted from before the foundation of the world, that's our history, and that he's going to present us blameless mm-hmm. as a child of God in front of him in the end. Like, just considering how vast the love of God is for us, I feel like is an important rich, one of the riches that we just need to, like, you know, like, Lord, help me to actually, like, how can I actually even feel that? Um, one bit in the sermon was, like, all things are yours. Yeah, First Corinthians 3. First Corinthians 3. The world <laughs> yeah, escalated right. quickly. Yeah. You know, I'm like, how do I even process that emotionally and spiritually, yeah. Lord? I did pray that this morning. Like, how can I even, what does it mean that everything yeah. is mine? <laughs> like, that's almost overwhelmingly, it's almost like I, I don't even know what to do with that. It's mm-hmm. it's so much. Even so, the scripture reading, Romans 8, he who did not spare his own son, how will he not also with that give you everything? everything. All these things. So, so just to encourage us again, like yeah. there is, we want to be, there's that old phrase that says, I think it's actually from some song that says, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And that's actually the opposite. Like we want to be the exact opposite of that. We want to be so heavenly minded, we are earthly good. Meaning we are so assured of the riches that we have in Christ that are spiritual, eternal, indestructible, Mm -hmm. and the fullness of their experience is still awaiting for us. We want to be so confident, so like meditating on that day and night and focused on that. So all those things we've discussed in the Sermon Plus and Mm. the sermons, that we actually are giving stuff away. And so maybe one of the best examples of that, you know, that's what how Jesus was. He was so heavenly minded that he gave his body away, but he's obviously the ultimate example. But in Hebrews, the scripture says that they joyfully accepted the plundering of their goods because they knew they had a better reward. Yeah. And so it's like these Christians were generous to their brothers and sisters in Christ to the point where they were, their goods were getting plundered, yep. you know, taken from them, and they were, in a sense, good with it yep. because their faith was like, well, this is okay. I can lose these earthly things because I have an eternal reward that's waiting for me. So I just want to encourage us with the great love of God again and, and that we really are rich in Christ and we do have an inheritance, um, and that can free us up to be generous. Yeah, and just like there's a real spiritual component to fasting, like you will fast sometimes because the Lord leads you to a desire to overcome some kind of sin or there's a need or a conversion or like, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of spiritual oppression, whatever it may be. And like you're pouring gasoline on your prayers. We also talk about abstinence is also like just good for you to teach yourself to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a sense in which, you know, generosity, cultivating the heart of the father within us is so good for who we're to be becoming. 
And yet there's also just something really simple, simple and practical and like common about, hey, it's just going to be really good for you to give some of your stuff away. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you don't need it to depart from it will be good and healthy. It will cultivate something inside of you. It will fight greed. It will fight discontent. And so mm-hmm. just something so simple as maybe just go and give some stuff away to like goodwill or give some stuff away to other people's kids or like whatever, just depart from some of your belongings. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Say thank you to it first, like yeah. Marie Kondo. Marie yes. Kondo, that's who she was. Yeah, yeah. But there is kind of something great in that. No. Where you know, what do I have that I haven't received? Right. My point wasn't to criticize her; it was to illustrate actually <laughs> that we love our stuff. Yeah, right. So sure. I love that. Yeah. For sure. Yep. So you already mentioned spend another week in this passage. Yep. So those people can prepare; they can continue to uh, work our way through that. Anything else to add as far as what's coming up there? No, just I'm excited to to really plow through the rest of those riches. I mean, they're it's it's really amazing. Um, and then finally, you know, shout out. We should have done this at the beginning, but Chase isn't here today. <gasps> That's right. Chase isn't here today because Eden Violet has made her appearance. So Eden Violet beautiful. Evans. So yeah, praise the Lord. We're rejoicing with you, Chase and Caroline, and your family. We miss you, and uh, maybe God will, and we'll see you next week on the podcast. But, yeah, look, re- read over Ephesians 1, 3 to 14 again, and uh, we'll be lo- looking at Riches in Christ Part 2. Amen.